It's good to see you here today and uh, glad we had that awesome time of, of worship. I mean, the presence of God just fills this place. And you know it's because your hearts are right before God and, and wanting what he has for you. And I appreciate that when we have times of worship, you're not just sitting there observing. You're actually participating, and that makes a big difference. And that's why God's presence is so powerful in this place each week. So thank you. Today we start a new series called Samuel, Prophet of Israel. During these eight weeks, we're going to look at this key figure in the Bible. He's a prophet in the Old Testament. And each week there will be passages about his life that will show us how God works in and through those who he chooses. The scripture that we look at is going to help us too in uh, recognizing our own defining moments. We will see how these times that are often defined by crisis, which I know that's maybe not a good thing to mention straight out of the gate, right? Sometimes there's defining moments that are in crisis, right? There are things that God can do in our hearts when he gets us where we actually have to call out on, uh, a call upon the name of the Lord, that, that it's a defining moment in our life. And uh, it's... It's, uh, we'll see how in those times that the voice of God calling us to his purpose is what we want to be listening to. So as I said, we're, in, we're looking at Samuel, and there's a book, two, Samuel 1 and Samuel, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, in the Bible. So if you have Bibles near you and you want to look, we're going to be going through chapter 1 and part of chapter 2 today. And uh, the to- topic we're going to look at is when a delay isn't a denial when a delay isn't a denial so have you ever had to wait a really long time for something uh, important have you okay so what did that make you feel like when you're waiting for something for a long time feels like it's never going to happen You're wondering when it will happen. You're wondering why you have to go through all that delay, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and today, in this first chapter, we're going to see uh, about Samuel's mother and how she was in the middle of a really long wait, and her name is Hannah. So in your Bibles, we're going to start with chapter 1, verse 1 of First Samuel. There was a certain man from Ramathiam, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, and Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. When Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she 
wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the Lord God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. So let's stop there. So the first thing we want to know is when did this take place, right? Where when, so you can kind of place it in history. Well, this took place in about 1200 B.C., which is about 3200 years ago. Uh, it's, it's a while back in the history of Israel. You know, when you think about that far, you know, past, it, it seems like were people like really, like what what were they like? Well, this is an example. They were kind of like us, right? They weren't still uh, changing and figuring out that they didn't have to live in caves. They had houses. There was a temple. Uh, they had come into the land of Israel after. They had been wandering, you know, they got released from Egypt. They'd wandered for 40 years because of the disobedience of the older people. And then the, the ones who had been under 20 during those 40 years grew up even more, and they came into the land and took possession of that land. And then many years went by in that land. About 400 years went by, and then we have this occurrence right here. They did not have a king yet. And they had judges and prophets that would appear, you know, appear on the scene from time to time. If you look back at the book of Judges, you see time went by and, and they were doing really great. And then they started kind of falling away from what they knew was the right thing to do. And they started compromising in their faith and doing things they knew that God didn't want them to do, but they just did them. And then a prophet would show up or a judge would show up and lead the people back to the Lord. And during this time, uh, toward the end of this time, is this man named Elkanah. And he is actually a Levite also. He's one of the priest's families. It tells us he lived in Ramathaim, which is uh, another form of the name for Rama. if you've ever heard of Rama in other scripture. 
The town is five miles of north of what would become Jerusalem, and the family of Elkanah lived in this one district there called Zuf, and they were from Ephraim. Um, that doesn't mean they were from the tribe of Ephraim. It meant they were living in this area, um, and they had been living in Ephraim. Remember when we were talking about things like this in our Bible study on Thursday night, we said that there were towns that were given to the Levites within all the different tribal areas of um, Israel. So it tells us he it was from Ephraim. So this tribe lived in uh, other areas, right? The Levite tribe did. And uh, we know Elkanah was a Levite from another portion of scripture. Not so much from here, but there are indications as we go along, you will see that uh, there are, are ways we can know he definitely was a priest. Well, in the scripture of First Chronicles 6, 19, and 26 and 27, this is telling the genealogy of the Levites. And it says, the sons of Merari, Mali, and Mushi, these are the clans of the Levites listed according to their fathers. Sometimes it'll say the name of a father, and then it'll jump down several generations, but they still call him the father of that, of that um, lineage. Um, that's why it says that, you know, the father, David, your father David, of some of these kings much later down. And it's referring to the fact that they're from that lineage. So then down in verse 26 of First Chronicles 6, it says, Elkanah, his son, Zophiah, his son, Nathan, his son, Eliab, his son, Jeroham, his son. Remember, that was, was listed as being Elkanah's father. Jeroham, his son, Elkanah, his son, and Samuel, his son. So we've got this lineage here, and it shows us Elkanah is, in fact, a Levite priest. So he had two wives, and that while that wasn't the norm, that wasn't terribly unusual. And apparently his first wife, Hannah, who he loved dearly, could not have children. So after a while, after several years, he married a second wife so he could have some children. And her name was Penina. Now it tells us Penina had children, sons and daughters. So she didn't have the same problem that Hannah had. And uh, Hannah continued during this time to have no children. She wasn't able to have children. And it tells us year after year, so a lot of time is going by during this time. They go up to Shiloh and worship to sacrifice to the Lord Almighty, where Eli, this head priest, is serving up there as the priest of the temple. And he has his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, serving as priests of the Lord with him. So let's look at a map and get a general idea of where we're talking about here. So if we're talking about where is uh, Shiloh, this is Shiloh right here. And this that says Jebus, that's before it was Jerusalem because it didn't become Jerusalem until David was the king. So this is called Jebus right here. And it tells us that where Shiloh is in between Bethel and Shechem, and there they are, the Bethel here. Check them there. <laughs> I can't jump that high. There. Okay. Um, so anyway, um, so Shiloh is the place where the tabernacle is. So after they were out in the wilderness, wandering around for those 40 years, they had the tabernacle where they would come to worship, where they'd offer sacrifices. And after they came into the promised land, they had to have a place for that for everybody to go to, and Shiloh was where that was. 
And so the Ark of the Covenant is set up there in the inner sanctuary, and it was there for about 300 years. And that sacrifice that Elkanah came to offer was most likely a fellowship offering. And we know this because it, that's the offering that the portions that are offered may be eaten by the person giving the sacrifice. And most sacrifices are not. And in Leviticus 12, it talks about this. Um, it's in, starting at Leviticus 7, verse 12, says, If they offer it as an expression of thankfulness, that along with this thank offering they are to offer thick loaves made without yeast and olive oil mixed in, thin loaves made without yeast and brushed with oil. So here's all the ways they're supposed to do the offering. And then jump down to 14. They are to bring one of each kind as an offering, a contribution to the Lord. It belongs to the priest who splashes the blood of the fellowship offering against the altar. The meat of their fellowship offering of thanksgiving must be eaten on the day it is offered. They must leave none of it till morning. And then in verse 16... If, however, their offering is the result of a vow or a freewill offering, the sacrifice shall be eaten on the day they offer, but any leftover may be eaten the next day. Any meat of the sacrifice left over to the third day must be burned up. So after the sacrifice is presented to God, um, Elkanah then is given a portion of this meat. There's a portion that goes to the priest and part that goes to Elkanah. And uh, he gives this out to his family, but it tells us something kind of strange. Here's... Nina with all of her kids and he gives her some but he gives a double portion to Hannah okay according to the Bible Deuteronomy 21 17 it tells us he shall acknowledge the son of the unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he has for he is the beginning of his strength the right of the firstborn is his so what it's what he is doing Elkanah is giving like what should go to a firstborn child He's giving that to Hannah. So it's almost like he's speaking prophetically about Hannah, that, you know, you're going to have a child. Well, okay, so there's all these things that come as a result of it. Uh, but what was going on here with Hannah was that she was unable to have a child. And in that time, people regarded that, that God had, it says God had closed her womb. They thought, well, God has done this, and there's some reason here that God has closed her womb. So there, it comes to a point of ridicule from her, uh, from the other wife, from Penina. And she says, it says there, she irritated her to the point of tears. And it makes her weep and be unable to eat. In other words, what would we call Penina? How about a bully? She's a bully. She's picking on Hannah. And... Um, when you have problems or go through tough times, there are people like that who will mess with you, right? They won't give you encouragement, and they'll use the time to tell you how bad you are or how foolish you are to make you made that choice, how foolish, or you brought that on yourself. And then there's times when there are people around you who are followers of Jesus, and they should be the ones who give you that word of encouragement. They should be the ones who speak life into your situation and not be bullies they should be the ones who show you the love of god well this went on year after year i mean that means that's a long time okay i looked up year after year it says year after year so i couldn't get any further deal from that but i'm telling you doesn't it sound to you like this is like a long time so this is going on and on and on uh so it got so bad that she couldn't eat 
And it, it was happening when they'd go up to Shiloh to offer that sacrifice. So why do you think, question for all of you, that Penina bullied Hannah? She had all the kids. Why did she bully her? Because she got the meat. Fits her ego. Because she's got all those kids. She knows that Elkanah really loves Hannah, maybe more than her. Yeah. Yeah. She's, would you say she's maybe a little jealous? Yeah. Jealous of the love. And, and maybe most of the time people who are bullies don't have a very good self-image. So even though she had all of this, she still felt jealous of a woman who had no children. So finally it tells us in verse 9, one year Hannah, um, she must have just decided, well, I've had enough of this. I have, to, I have to go. She stood up and left the place where the family was eating, and she goes to the temple, and she's praying there, and she's pouring out her heart before God. And, and I don't believe this is like, a, like she's trying to give God something, like trying to you know, say, hey, I'll give you this if you give me that. I think she's just weeping and telling him how she feels, and she's saying, you know, if you are so good as to give me a son, I will dedicate him to the Lord. Psalm 66, 13 and 14 says, I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you, vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. This is David saying the same thing. The place to go is before the Lord. And they went to the temple. They, they went and poured out their heart before God. And as she's praying, because she's so grieved, her lips are moving. Even though it's in her heart she's praying, it tells us. Her lips are moving. And Eli, the head priest, sees her. And he says, you're drunk. Why are you, why are you, stop drinking. And this is hardly accurate. And to me, this shows me something really important about Eli. What does this show us about Eli? He's not in tune with God. And we will find out more about him later as we go through the book of Samuel. But he is not listening to God. Yes. Yeah, he went to the... Yeah, he could have asked her. He, he went to the, the, the worst thing possible he could think of right away without even checking with her. Yes. And what would that accusation have done to Hannah? She's just been bullied by her family, by the other wife, and now she's mistreated at the temple. The very place where she's weeping before the Lord, pouring her heart out to God, asking God for his help, and what would that have done to most of us? I think we would have been so wounded and, and offended. Here's this man of God, air quotes, uh, who then comes and accuses us of something not right and doesn't seek to know what's going on. And so Hannah, in spite of that, responds in a respectful way. She says, oh, no, sir, I haven't been drinking. I'm praying here out of my great anguish and my grief. And her response shows us her heart. She hasn't allowed that 
what's happened, been year after year, all that bullying, all that grief, all the anguish to jade her. She is amazing. <laughs> and just like King David, who would take his problems before the Lord in the temple and pour out his heart before God, you know, he would come and you read those psalms, which are great to read, by the way, when you're going through tough times. I love the psalms when you're going through hard, difficult things. You read David, he's like, kill my enemies and blah, 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 blah. And then he says this, Psalm 63, 2, I have seen you, God, in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. And so he pours out his heart before the Lord and he tells God what he's feeling, and what he's going through and how, you know, like, you know, what he's thinking might be a good thing for God to do. But then he says, you know what? I've seen you, God. I've beheld your power. I've beheld your glory. He looks to God and leaves it with God. And Hannah here is looking to God, the Almighty. And she sees God as the answer to all of her needs and problems. Well, Eli proclaims a blessing over her and tells her to go in peace and that God would grant her request. Which is, which is great. I don't know if he really meant, meant it or he was feeling bad because he got, got caught for calling her a drunkard or what. But, but there's a change in Hannah after this. I mean, it tells us she goes back and eats something and she's no longer depressed. So why do you think there was this change in Hannah? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. She got encouragement. Yep. And she got the blessing. Which, those words came out of his mouth. He was speaking those words over her life. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. She felt a sense of relief. She got it all out before the Lord. For sure. And I really believe Hannah felt heard. Hannah felt heard. God had heard the cry of her heart. And even though Eli wasn't the best guy, he still pronounced a blessing over her. And she felt that God had heard the cry of her heart. That she was now trusting him for the promise that uh, Eli had pronounced over her. She's trusting God now for that promise. And she had the faith to believe that God would answer her prayer. And we need that. When we receive a promise from God, we need to, by faith, receive it. Because that's what activates that in our life. And she was not listening to the detractors anymore, but to God. And when we're going through something difficult, something grievous, something hurtful, to know God hears us and cares about us uh, is so important. And even in our dealings with other people, you know, to know that we're heard, that is so important. There's an importance to being heard that gives us the ability to keep on going, that gives us the ability to have the strength to go through. 
When we have a promise from God, we look to the Lord and we don't look at the problem. He gives us the ability to get through it. And anyone who's speaking negative things over us, we can turn that over to God to deal with it. We can say, God, this person is saying this negative stuff about me or to me. Lord, I'm just going to lay it down in front of you, God. You take it. And I'm going to submit that to the grace of God. I'm going to release them to you, Lord God, for you to deal with it. And I'm going to let it go. Verse 20. Did I read all the way to verse 20? Okay, good. I'll I'll just make it sure. (laughs) In the course of time, it tells us in one version. So in the course of time in the NIV, uh, how, it, 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 how often do we get anxious? Because it tells us in the course of time she goes back and God remembers her, but it doesn't sound like this happens right away that she conceives Samuel. There's still a little bit of time. So how often do we get anxious if something doesn't happen just like that? You know, it doesn't happen immediately. And it obviously took just a little bit longer, but in God's time it, it came to be. Because sometimes... A delay is not a denial. We just need to hang on to that promise from God. And it tells us Hannah conceived and later gave birth to a son, whom she named Samuel, which means heard of God. The Hebrew words that make up his name mean heard of God. And it not only meant that God heard Hannah and answered her prayer, but it also speaks to to the character of Samuel in his life, that he hears from God and God hears from him. So let's read on for the next few verses here, starting at verse 21. When her husband Elkanah went up with his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to go fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my lord. As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Okay. Hannah doesn't go with the family then while he's uh, a baby, while he's young. Um, She doesn't go for a few years. She says, I'm going to go when he's weaned. And uh, in those days, children were nursed until they were at least three years old, and sometimes till they were five. So she took her time with him. And uh, when she had done that, it tells us she went then that next year and presented Samuel before the Lord. Young as he was, it tells us. Can you imagine taking, say he's five, the oldest that he would have been. Can you imagine taking a five-year-old to the church and handing him over to the pastor and saying, I'm giving him to the Lord. Man, that would have taken a lot. I just can't imagine. She would have loved that little boy so much, and yet she fulfilled the vow that she gave to the Lord. And it tells us that she brought 
Uh, it says a three-year-old bull in the NIV, but when you go back to the Hebrew, she brought three bulls. She bought an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and this is three times what would have been required for an offering to, to, uh, to fulfill that vow. And so she's giving probably three offerings at once, a burnt offering, and then women were supposed to do an offering for a, a sacrifice for purification after childbirth, and then the peace offering for the fulfilling of her vow. So they brought this boy up to Eli, and Hannah said, I will give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. This must have been difficult, <laughs> to say the least. Even though she had promised to dedicate him, she would have loved him so much. And she brings him and leaves him with Eli and his two sons to be trained to be a priest in the temple of God. Amazing. Uh, that would take a lot. So then it tells us in chapter 2 about a prayer that Hannah prays and says, verse 1, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not Keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows. By him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire, them, who, who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who is barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts up the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants. But the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king, exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. So we learn several things during this about the family of Elkanah, don't we? She says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted high. Remember, we were talking about how the Lord lifts our head. The lifting a horn is a symbol of victory there too and prosperity. And it says that Hannah, it says she who had no children has born seven. So apparently she had six more after Samuel, right? Uh, so that's pretty cool. And then it says that the other woman um, apparently had no more children. It says, it says there, she who had many sons pines away. Apparently, after Hannah started having kids, Panina was done. So, and then there's this little rebuke in that prayer for those who were a little nasty, right? Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. So she's talking, I think, about the people that were saying all that negative stuff to her. And then she praises God for all his greatness and his mercy. And her declarations about God are true for us, too. We can also delight in his deliverance. He is our rock. God makes us alive. He 
He sends our wealth, lifts up the needy, fights our battle, guards us, protects us, and strengthens us too. Then Elkanah went home, it says, with Hannah and the rest of his family, and they left Samuel behind with the Lord under Eli. And at the beginning of this message, we talked about how life can be so difficult to wait for something. But when we pray, a delay isn't always a denial. So what can we do if we feel like God has promised us something and we're not seeing it yet? There's this delay. What can we do during that time of delay? The first thing we can do is pray for wisdom and understanding. What we want is God's wisdom and his understanding in whatever situation we find ourselves in. Sometimes God shows us that the time isn't now, but later. And sometimes he just says, you know what, I just need you to trust me and wait. And follow me, he says to us. Follow what he shows us to do. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts, this is God speaking, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What this is telling us is God has the big picture. He's got the big overview of everything. We're down here right in this situation. We don't always see it. And so what God is saying, you can't know. You have to trust me. So during a delay, we pray for wisdom and understanding. And second, listen to God and not the lies of the enemy. Because guess what? The devil is going to use whoever he can to discourage you. Or even to get mad at God or whoever isn't being kind to you. The devil wants you to get off in this little thing where you're going through a loop of being upset and mad and angry and you're mad at God even. Because then he can lead you into evil. So we don't want to go there. <laughs> Penina was probably telling Hannah, oh, you're a failure. Yeah, you're never going to have children or any number of negative, terrible things. And we can't allow ourselves to focus on that, on the sources of the lies or the attack. But we need to listen to what God is speaking to us. We need to read the Bible each day. That's how you can hear from him by reading the Bible and, and praying. During times of prayer, sometimes God will just really, um, have you been praying and seen this? God will put something on your heart while you're praying it. You feel like that's taken care of. I can just let that go now. And God is going to take care of it. And, and when you're praying, you can also ask God, God, show me the bigger picture. Jesus, I need to see how you're leading me through this. I need your strength, and I need to see where you're bringing me. Please show me a bigger picture than I see. And just like the song we sang in worship, he, he is our lifter of our heads, our victory. He's our shield and our defender. Jesus is. So we don't need to listen to those lies. We just need to listen to the Lord. So what, what are you going to do when you get a lie? Well, you just say, God, I, this is really hurtful. I don't like this. Lord, I'm just going to surrender it to you. I'm going to leave it with you. Just wash all of that off of me. Heal my broken heart. Heal my, my mind, Lord. Help me to see how you are going to get me through this. Then the third thing is to commit our way to the Lord. Commit our way to the Lord. Commit the outcome to the Lord. Because in the end, that's what we really want. We want God's best for us. We want his will for us. That's the best outcome. And when that happens, we see him glorified in our lives too. We need to trust Jesus for what he's going to do in our lives. 
a, de a delay could be just that. A, de a delay is not necessarily a denial. And sometimes the days are, delays a really long time, like it was for Hannah. And also Abraham waited 25 years for a promise God gave him about his son before the son was born. But during this time, we have to be willing to trust God. If we don't see the eventual answer to our prayers, we just need any way to surrender our lives to God and ask him to lead and to guide us, to bless us and deliver us. We need to commit the outcome to God, which means surrender it all to him. Please stand as we close. Just ask you to bow your head as we just kind of take this time to just commit ourselves to God. If you've been waiting on God for something that you sense that he promised you, and you need God to get you through this time, and you want to receive God's wisdom and understanding to be able to get through that, just raise your hand. Thank you. If you've been listening to the lies of the enemy through either people who are negative or speaking ill or, or just feeling like in your heart you've been thinking like you're not good enough and God won't give you that and you don't count, if you want to be free of those lies and listen to what God says about you, God says you are the righteousness of God when you accept Jesus as your Savior, that you are loved, that you are valuable. If you want to hear from God, just raise your hand. Thank you. Lord God, we just thank you for this example of Hannah, who even though she went through this horrible time waiting, all the ridicule, all the trials, Lord God, she still hung in there, and she came before you. She laid it all out before you and said, God, I need your help. And so, Father, today we do that. The things that we are waiting on you for, the things that we are going through, Lord, we just lay that before you, and we say, God, we need your help. We need you to get us through this. We need your strength. We need your wisdom and your understanding as we go through uh, our lives. Lord, we want to receive that. Father, I pray you just pour that into us today. And Lord, we just don't want to receive any of the lies of the enemy because those are not the truth of God. And so, Father, we receive the truth of God for our lives, what you, who you say we are, we are who, how you see us, what you think of us. Lord God, we receive that and anything the enemy wants to put there that's so not right. Shaming, limiting, hindering us. Lord God, we don't receive that. We send that back to where it came from. And Lord God, we submit it to the blood of the cross that you wash that off of us by the power of the blood of Jesus. Instead, Lord, fill us up with your presence. Fill us up with the power of God. Fill us up with the Holy Spirit to Give us what we need to walk out our lives to follow you, Lord Jesus. We just thank you, Father. What we're going to see, the difference. Hannah got up and, and left the temple, and, and immediately her life was different. And so, Father, we as we get up and leave church today, Father, we want to see a difference in our lives as we're following you and trusting you. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do this week in Jesus' name. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. Amen.